As things change, other things stay the same, like Ohio Lottery scratch-offs, from small tickets to big tickets, from bright colors to flashy themes. There's something for everyone. Big wins make big stories, but it's the millions of small wins every day that make life-changing memories. And your biggest win will come by following the state-recommended safety protocols during this special holiday season. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Please play responsibly. Donato's just didn't add bacon to their pizzas. They added bacon to their bacon. It's Donato's new Bacon Duo pizzas. Two pizzas, each with two kinds of bacon. Try the new Pepperoni Bacon Duo with pepperoni, Canadian bacon, and hardwood smoked bacon. And the Chipotle Bacon Duo with Canadian bacon and Chipotle seasoned bacon. Now get $2 off a large Bacon Duo or any large pizza. Use promo code 2. Donato's. Every piece is important. Hey everyone, it's Noor and welcome back to this Muslim Girl Podcast. First and foremost, did you guys notice that there's new cover art for the podcast? Yes, I finally did it. I've been thinking about changing kind of the branding and the cover art for the podcast for quite some time now. And I finally bit the bullet and I want to thank um, Canvas Chic on Instagram who helped bring my vision to reality. Um, she did an amazing job. So thank you all for the great feedback and love on the new cover art. On this episode, I'm super stoked. I have with me Sophia Haq, who is the founder of Muslim Women Professionals. MWP is an organization that promotes professional development for Muslim women. It promotes empowerment amongst women by educating, uplifting, and mobilizing a global network. Sophia wants to create a space where Muslim women are inspired to thrive in both their personal and professional lives, build allies, unite as a community, and combat Islamophobia. Cheers to that. Um, she was born and raised in Southern California to a Pakistani and Arab father and Mexican and Spanish mother. She graduated with a BA in gender studies from UCLA in 2015 and participated in an international business study abroad program at the London School of Economics and Poli-Sci. Currently, she's the marketing consultant lead experiential learning educator at Pathways Travels. She's an advocate for diversity amongst women and people of color in executive spaces, wants to be an executive in the fashion industry, continue her work at MWP, and promote other philanthropic work. Okay, let's let's get started. Hi, Sophia. Welcome Hello. to the podcast. Welcome, welcome. So excited to have you on. So to get started, I wanted to ask you, first of all, thank you for reaching out. I'm so excited that we were able to collaborate on this. Um, I think it's really incredible what you do. I think it's so important to talk about it, to spread the awareness about it, because as someone who's a professional myself, I think I learned so much just within our last conversation. Right. So when we got off the phone, I was kind of reflecting a lot even like days after and I'm like oh my god and I like I go to work and I'm like oh yeah like I'm, I'm noticing things that we were talking about right um, especially because we have a new hire and she was asking me stuff about like my religion and just certain things and we were talking about drinking which we can get into um later but I just re remembered you today and I was like oh my god okay I I see now why, why she did what she did and yeah. what is it if you can start for those who are listening and don't know what is it that you started um, with the Muslim women's uh, Muslim women professionals, um, and just kind of give us the background on on that and like where you found the passion to do that. 
Of course. So Muslim Women Professionals is an organization that strives to educate and uplift um, a global network of Muslim women. Um, it's a place where Muslim women can really enhance their professional skills and apply those as well to their personal life. The inspiration behind this, I mean, came from a lot of different things. I think one of the biggest things was my upbringing. I was raised in a family where I was told that I could do whatever I wanted to do. So when I, I knew at a very young age that I wanted to work in the business sector, my parents really encouraged that. Um, I always kind of said, like, I want to be a CEO of a company. And my dad would be like, good, you should yes. be. You know, it was just very much... Um, motivating me and encouraging me to really reach for the stars. And I just noticed that a lot of other women weren't really blessed with that same upbringing yeah. as I got older. And so that was one one aspect of it. Another was the lack of community that I felt and unity around maybe just like Muslim women in general. I feel like a lot of the times there was this competition versus collaboration mentality amongst our community. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't our fault. I think that it definitely was the fault of a lot of elders and the way that they raised their you know, their daughters or the way, or the things that they instilled in, in women just kind of, you know, to see others as competition. I think that was one of the biggest things. Um, another was the lack of mentorship that I received. You know, I went to UCLA and it's an incredible school, but I left UCLA with no mentors, absolutely none. And so it was really difficult to kind of navigate, you know, the post-grad life and try and figure out what I wanted to do. And so when I started networking, going to business school events, because I, I always knew that I wanted to, you know, get an MBA, I realized that I was always the only Muslim woman. I realized that I was making these incredible connections with people in the business sector. And I found that a lot of my, you know, fellow Muslim sisters were kind of looking to me as that person to kind of connect them with other people, um, which I loved, you know, I love helping my friends. But I think that I that was where I also saw a huge issue where, there was not enough diversity in that space, in the networking space in particular. And so um, those were just some of the some of the reasons. Um, and I think that especially in these past few years with the rise of Islamophobia and the, you know, killings of a lot of innocent Muslims, specifically like Nabra Hassanen, you know, who was who passed away. I think that that was a moment, you know, after hearing about her passing that I had felt fear for the first time in a really long time, being in the United States, being a woman, being a Muslim. Um, and that just kind of ignited a flame in me um, that, you know, really made me realize that I, I have the means to create something incredible and create positive change for my community. And I want to create some sort of legacy and some sort of resource for people so that they can you know, really be able to find some sort of community where they can thrive, where they can feel supported and where they don't have to feel fear about being Muslim in this country. Yeah, that's amazing. And I mean, if, if people like you don't do it, then who is, right? Absolutely. You, you identifying that gap or that need. Um, so did you start after that incident or like how long ago did this uh, project start or this program? Yeah, so this idea came in January of 2016, specifically as a professional network. And then I kind of waited a little bit because I was working at that time, you know, full time. And then I was involved in a few pre-MBA programs um, over the course of the next few years. So I 
kind of like held it off. And then when I was working in the luxury fashion industry, um, I decided to kind of take a, take a step away from my role because I kind of realized that there just wasn't enough diversity. There wasn't enough inclusion. And I wanted to be the one to change that in some way, shape or form. And so when I left my job, instead of going into my next role, I took some time to really reflect, kind of figure out what I wanted this to look like. I partnered with one of my friends, uh, her name is Noor, and we kind of came up with ideas together as well. She kind of helped, helped me in a lot of ways bring this to life. And then we sent out a survey. This actually started as a survey to kind of just understand the needs of the Muslim women community. And I love so, that idea, by the way. Yeah, I love absolutely. that you, you actually reached in because I think sometimes we assume things. Mm-hmm. And like exactly. you, you, you saying earlier about how you know that you had a lot of support and a lot of um, privilege and like blessings right. going into the field that you were going to, you, you know, how else do you, uh, you know, how else do you know that there's other people that are struggling in different ways if you're not actually reaching out and not assuming that this is the need? Absolutely. And I think what I love about the way that my parents raised me was my parents always told me to remain close to my community. Like no matter where you go, always remain very close to your community. So I had been hearing about this from a lot of my friends already, but in doing this survey, it was almost like, okay, let's not just learn from our from the people that we know. Let's hear from women all across the country. And that's what it became. And it ended up being a lot worse than we had anticipated. I mean, we thought for the most part, women are going to feel pretty supported in their in their careers and their, you know, day-to-day lives. And we found that I believe only at that time, when we took the survey at that time, it was about only 25% felt fully supported by their family, friends, and, you know, and uh, communities. Um, now it's about 35% feel that way. But I mean, that's still a really, really bad, um, it's a low number, really bad number. It's a very low number. And in learning about, you know, their experiences, because there was an option for them to kind of write out exactly what they were feeling and, and just, you know, what their experiences have been like. I mean, you saw everything you saw things like, my family is making me choose between having a career and having, you know, uh, you know, a family. Um, you know, I, another one was I'm an engineer and I get harassed on a weekly basis because of the fact that I'm Muslim and I wear, uh, you know, wear hijab and I'm a woman. Um, and then another was, you know, in my community, um, I kind of have to hide, you know, the fact that I'm, hide my ambition almost and hide the fact that I want a career uh, because it's almost a threat to the other people that are in my community. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it was, it was a lot worse than we anticipated, but that's when we knew that there was a, a a need for something like this. So you, you, you get these results and you see what areas um, you want to address or you want Mm -hmm. to help these women in and so i'm i'm a professional i want to get involved like what does mwp offer like what does it do and like what is it about what what are the some of the programs that you guys have so one of the first things that we established and even looking at the survey results was women did not have a space where they could discuss their the obstacles that they were facing in their lives 
personally and professionally. So from that, we created what's called coffee chats. And coffee chats initially were just little meetups for Muslim women to come together and really discuss the obstacles that they were facing in their life and almost help each other in a way where, you know, maybe somebody's talking about uh, an obstacle they're facing at work. And then I'm also going through something like that as well. So I can help them. Now it's become this thing where we have over 30 women that come to these socials. Now we're actually creating. Wow resources yeah alhamdulillah we're creating a space like that in LA <laughs> you know it's it's actually really funny because we were trying to we were going to have it at a coffee shop and a lot of women did not RSVP RSVP ladies and it ended up being about 30 women total we had to move it to a Whole Foods food court <laughs> But it was incredible. Yeah, but it was incredible. We we made it work. And I I mean, thank you to the people that gave us their chairs, um, because it just ended up being this huge discussion. So again, initially, it was very informal. Now we're trying to make it a lot more formal in the sense of how do we establish almost resources to help these women in their professional lives. So we actually in our last coffee chat, um, had topics for women to go over. So they kind of split up in their respective groups and talked about how they could build allies at work. They shared it with the rest of the group. And now we created an article that's on medium that talks about how Muslim women can build allies in the workplace and be allies to other communities as well. Because the truth is, is that our, our narratives are very unique. Um, and it's important to take that into consideration. It, it's not easy to build allies at work when you feel like you're already the token Muslim at work. And, you know, you already feel very, um, you know, sometimes you can feel very insecure or isolated, you're not sure. Socially. Exactly. Isolated. Exactly. So we're trying to make it a lot more um, driven in terms of resources, we definitely want to expand and we have a lot of ideas, but so far this is what's happening and we're trying to expand inshallah, uh, across the United States. And so the, these women that are attending these coffee shops or coffee talks, excuse me, mm-hmm. are they like, so is there a membership? And then let's say I'm, I'm someone who's in college and I'm thinking of entering, you know, the, the corporate world or something. Right. Am I able to attend or is it mostly for professionals or people who are graduating? What's the demographic kind of look like? For the coffee chat specifically, initially we were just aiming it towards professionals, but we found that a lot of girls even now from college do come and we yeah, welcome them great. with open arms, which I think is really important because I feel like a lot of women, especially in college, are already thinking, what's next for me? I don't have mentors. 100%. Where do I get resources? So they're coming to these events and they're networking with women of all ages. I mean, at this last coffee chat, we had girls as young as I want to say like 20 uh, to women, I believe up until the age of like 55. Uh, which was awesome really range. which was really incredible because you saw these different groups and you had you know one who one girl who was a student then you had someone who came with their mom and their mom worked in the banking you know sector and then that girl worked in like biological sciences and then someone else worked in counseling so it's just like you know kind of talking about their unique experiences and kind of finding some sort of overlap at the moment we don't have a membership um quite yet but that may be coming up very soon um we do want to provide again like i said a lot more resources that are tailored specific to the community and specific to people's industries as well because ultimately we're trying to help women grow in their careers we're trying to help women thrive so that they can hold executive roles one day if that's what they want um but also teach them that they don't necessarily have to compromise and that they are an asset to their industry to their company um because i do feel like especially in 
kind of seeing what's going on at the coffee chats, a lot of a lot of us don't realize the assets that we are to our companies and our industries. You know, we're providing such a unique approach, um, such a unique perspective to whatever company we're at. And that is needed. And so, um, you know, we have ideas of, you know, teaching women, women how to negotiate, teaching women how to brand themselves better. Um, and that's going to be coming up inshallah very soon. Yeah, I, I really love the the idea that you have younger girls attending these um, coffee chats because for me, I wish that I would have had something like this when I was right. you know, fresh out of college and like, you know, you're submitting all these applications, like hoping that you, you know, someone calls you for an interview. Exactly. And I was very insecure and I didn't have a lot of skills and I did reach out to like, obviously, um, you know, some of my professors and people within the university to kind of help me. Uh, or prep me or mentor me, but it wasn't the same. And I think it took me everything that I know now and in my professional life is something that I had to learn through experience, which is great. But I think some of those things I could have just, I don't know, I could have been at a better place because I had mentorship because someone, you know, prior to uh, had experienced that who was maybe not even Muslim, but just, you know, um, a person of color who experienced being the token person in that, um, in that department or in that industry. Absolutely. And I think, you know, after I, after I graduated from UCLA, I took some time again to kind of connect with people because, because I finally realized that you do need mentors ultimately to kind of help guide you and in your career. (laughs) You really do. And I had zero. Now I have maybe, I would say at least 75 that I could contact if it came to it and really, you know, yeah, alhamdulillah. I mean, it's like four years of hard work of of, of reaching out to people and um, and maintaining those relationships with them, uh, which, again, that's something that we're trying to teach girls as well is that, you know, MWP isn't just a stop on your career journey. It is that that resources, that hub, that that resource, I'm sorry, that hub that is going to be with you as you continue your journey. when I, after I graduated, I joined what's called the Riordan program, uh, the Riordan programs, MBA fellows program. So it's a pre MBA program for those interested in uh, pursuing an MBA and kind of just prepares you for what an MBA actually entails. And through that program, I was able to connect with so many different people um, from all industries, from all professions. And it was an incredible opportunity. And I definitely was inspired by that by the way that they did that. And that is why we actually implemented something within the MWP um, leadership team, which is community engagement coordinators. Um, And these uh, community engagement coordinators, they're obviously divided into different areas. One is specifically uh, tied to mentorship. So one person is going to be developing a mentorship program for women in MWP. Another is responsible for maintaining relationships with different nonprofits, different MSAs. Um, and, you know, this is really important to me. And I kind of think it goes back to what I mentioned earlier about really making sure that you maintain a relationship with your community um, and make sure that you're you're not distancing yourself. You're, you're still kind of keeping an eye on it and making sure that you have a tie to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though MWP is really big on, you know, helping those who are already professionals at whatever, you know, part of the journey that they're on, we really do want to make sure that we do help women who are still in college, who are still trying to figure things out because MSCs are incredible. I mean, they're a great, res- uh, a great, 
space for Muslims to be able to feel a sense of community. But I do think that a lot of the time there lacks this emphasis on, you know, post-grad life, right? What does it look like when it, what does it look like to be a part of recruiting? What does it look like to brand yourself? What does it look like to prepare for an interview? And that's where we want to really help Muslim women um, with our networks, with our resources. So that way they don't feel lost afterwards. And that way they're more willing to give back to MWP as a mentor um, or in some other way yeah no I agree and I think it's interesting because I I see there's different milestones right like post-graduation and as Muslim women we need support in different areas like you said it's not just oh right before you get a job but sometimes it's even when you enter the field and like you said negotiating okay so you get a job but like how do you negotiate your salary or your contract with uh, the company. Um, what does it look like once you're in that position? How do you build yourself up so that you can move up and, like you said, get to that position where you can be a director or VP, CEO? And um, what I was going to go back to was um, some some Muslim women, I think, come from environments in where they really lack the support at home um, going into the professional field, especially if you're talking about industries that rarely have had or they're you know they're the first um within their community to go into those industries and i think that that plays a lot on the the confidence um that Mm -hmm. you carry and so what kind of things do you guys do or do you hope to do to address the insecurities and like for women to be confident to take on that you know negotiation conversation to you know nail that interview First off, creating a space where they're able to interact with other women, right? Um, I think that is a huge thing in itself because, like you said, so many women are the first in their family. So many people are the first in their industry to be that, you know, first Muslim woman or that first Muslim. And so when they attend a coffee chat, they know that they're going to be able to network with other women like them and women who are not like them, but dealing with the same struggles. And I feel like even, you know, in seeing the women that we've already met, a lot of them come into these coffee chats, not knowing anyone and leave with five or six contacts of people they want to get in touch with. Um, At our last coffee chat, for example, we had, I believe, like four or five engineers just at that one coffee chat and automatically they're creating relationships amongst each other and talking about their journey. So, I think that giving these women a space first and foremost does allow them to embrace themselves a little bit more, embrace their, their, um, their journeys where they want to go in terms of their career personally. Um, you know, it definitely does, um, become a session where we end up staying after the coffee chat just to discuss some of the, some of the obstacles that we're facing. Um, but again, like I said, in the future, we do want to create niches within MWP. So that way, maybe someone who's specifically in engineering wants to network with other engineers, they can do that. Someone who's interested in going into dentistry can do that. Um, and alhamdulillah, I've been very fortunate to have had a really big network. And I think that what's incredible is that now I'm finally bringing all those Muslim women that I've met and connected with over the years to these events and, and they're helping others. And it's an incredible, an incredible thing. Um, Another thing as well is, you know, maybe for those who aren't able to attend a coffee chat or an MWP event quite yet, 
we just uh, launched our newsletter this month. And our newsletter is an incredible resource for women to kind of see others like them. Um, in our most recent newsletter, we featured one of my mentors. She's uh, the director of North America marketing for Estee Lauder companies. Mm-hmm. And I already know so many women who are interested in the beauty sector or interested in holding an executive role. And so we did a Q&A with her and we got so much feedback, positive feedback about, oh my God, I've always wanted to enter enter the beauty industry, but never knew there were Muslim women in the beauty industry or, oh my God, what she's talking about, about being the only Muslim woman, I resonated with that. So we're trying to really create this reach towards other MWPs across the nation, across um, the continent um, and make them feel like they are a part of our community and that we're giving them resources in that way to, again, thrive in in the workplace. So if someone is not able to attend these type of coffee chats and isn't Mm -hmm. able to physically network with these women, um, do you have space for women who don't live, let's say, in the L.A. or Central Valley area or even in California? Do you have a space for those type of women? Um, we are definitely working on something along along those lines. Um, the newsletter was a great way for us to do that because yeah. we have been getting a lot of requests, you know, come to Detroit, come to Toronto, come to New York. I was going to say, inshallah, one day you can open chapters like oh, in different inshallah, areas. Inshallah, that's... That's, I have so many goals for MWP, inshallah, and I have an incredible team. We have 18, there's 18 of us now total that do this, that do this, you know, as volunteer work, but we're all so passionate about it. And obviously we hope to, um, you know, just, there's just a lot that we want to do. Um, but I think that in, in kind of, you know, launching this and launch, launching specifically our Instagram it's incredible the reach that you're able to make, the impact that you're able to make just by having an Instagram, just by having a newsletter. Um, But like you said, it really is important to have those in-person interactions with fellow MWPs, which is why we are going to be having a lot more events tailored to areas in which we haven't necessarily, um, you know, gone to yet. But thank God for social media, right? And just like the internet, because you really are able to bridge these large gaps um, between people and not just that, but like, you know, if you have something that's important, whether it's the research you you guys had or the interview in the newsletter, like you can share that information. It's still useful. Um, and inshallah, one day you're 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 you'll have the capacity to do what you do on your local level nationwide or worldwide, maybe inshallah one day. Exactly. And I think that like I said, getting the feedback that we have from women all over. I mean, I have a mentee who is in Philadelphia who reached out to me and said, oh my God, you better subscribe me to that newsletter, you know, before it even launched. And you after said you were going to send it to me. So I was, oh my wanna... gosh, I need to send it to you. There you go. And then I'll forward it to you after this. And um, yeah, so she got subscribed to me and she was just like, oh my God, I'm in school. She's not even a professional yet. She's like, I'm in school and I already feel like I can take this to like my work study job or I feel like I can take it to like my the organization I volunteer yeah. for just to kind of you know teach them how they can be better allies to me but it also holds me accountable um, on how to be a better ally to others yeah I, I think for me um, I, I would definitely gain something from it 
Um, obviously, I've been in the industry for a while, so I've had to learn a lot of things the hard way. But like my sister is graduating, inshallah, um, this spring with her bachelor's and like thinking of going straight into the workforce. And so I want to be able to share it with her because we are always talking about like, you know, what her opportunities are. And she has had more experience, I think, than me in the workforce while in college. But again, it's still very hard. And she's, you know, a writer and she wants to go into that field. And so like, what does that look like? And, you know, what kind of mentorship can she gain from being a Muslim writer, a Muslim female writer? Um, I think it was me, you and I were having a discussion the other day and we were talking about because for me personally, um, when we talk about all of this stuff, what resonates with me the most, aside from like the confidence level of just being Muslim and being different and having that appearance and carrying that with you, when you walk into a meeting, when you walk into that interview, um, when you're with your, you know, your colleagues. And one of the things that I was telling you was the social aspect of, you know, you know, you talk about building allies, but how do you do that if you can't after hours when, you know, you're not just talking about work, build those relationships with those people. And we were talking about the setting and a lot of times the settings Mm -hmm. are in places where I don't go to. So, a lot of like, for example, my coworkers, their their after hours is like to go drink, which is the majority of uh, people here in the West, right? Like non-Muslims. And so how am I supposed to build those relationships? And this is something that I struggled with. Like if I'm on a, a company retreat and that's where all the bonding happens and you wake up the next day and you hear about all these funny stories and everyone's talking about all these things that they did and I wasn't able to partake in it. But then, like, how am I supposed to catch up? How am I supposed to have allies and build those relationships? And if you know what I mean? No, absolutely. And I deal with this all the time because I, like I mentioned to you, I'm, I want to get an MBA in the future. And even in visiting so many schools already, <laughs> there's a drinking culture that is very popular. And that, and it's like that in a lot of different, um, you know, in a lot of different like grad programs, like you said, in, in even in, you know, the workplace, you know, where afterwards, you know, on maybe on Thursday night or something like that, people want to go out and drink. I wish I could say that, you know, it's, it's easy, you know, in that way to kind of deal with that. But you're absolutely right. It really is difficult. And it makes it harder on us. I have to work twice as hard to build connections with people just because I wasn't able to be in a specific setting. And it and it, it can be really difficult. Um, but that's where I try to take the initiative as well and try and center whatever events that I want to have around things that aren't (laughs) drinking. So for example, with some of my friends who I know do drink a lot, I'll be like, let's go get brunch at (laughs) 9am, you know, 9am on Saturday in downtown LA or something along those lines. And, you know, we'll do that. And yeah, maybe they'll order a mimosa, but it's very different than a a night, you know, a night out. Exactly. And, and like I said, you know, it's, it's one of those things where we have to be a little bit more creative, unfortunately. And we also need to um, not be afraid to share, you know, our, our identity with people. Because I do feel like sometimes, you you know, I've seen people say, oh, well, I can't go out. And, and people will say, oh, well, why not? Oh, I just can't. And I have been very transparent with my friends. I don't drink. I just don't feel comfortable being in, in that space. Yes. And, you know, and some people will not like that. And some people will. And the truth is you just have to, you know, stay close to those people that do um, 
you know, respect that. Um, but yeah, it could, it can definitely be a really difficult thing. Um, but that's where I have to be. I know that for myself, I have to be a little bit more creative and like, let, let's hop on a phone call Wednesday evening. If you're free, let's, you know, meet up for coffee you yeah. know, specifically. Look, that's you exactly know. what I had to do. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, and it's hard. There's, there's no, no one way to do it, but I think to have someone to talk to who says, yeah, like I experienced that. This is what I did. I felt, you know, included in. And I think it's because I was very vocal from the beginning about why. No, I'm Muslim and I don't drink. And I feel like growing up, I don't know if I could have always said that. I would have been that person that said, oh, I just can't. Because I don't want to have to explain to people. And why do we fear telling people our truth? Like, Well, that's, yeah, that's a great point. And I do think that when we were younger, diversity and inclusion wasn't really a thing. Unfortunately, not as common as it is now. Now, people will speak on your company not being inclusive um, if if they aren't, you know, before it was like, you are, you are lucky to be at this company. Now it's, it's kind of becoming that thing where it goes both ways. I am lucky to be here, but you're lucky to have me as well. And you need to respect my identity um, and, um, you know, and really cater to my needs as well. Um, And I think that's why a lot of people, a lot of uh, people nowadays are being very selective with where they work. They want to feel like they can be comfortable. um, They want to feel like their identity is embraced. I mean, employee resource groups are becoming a huge thing now um, where you know, if you're a part of the LGBT community, there's a space for you. If you're a part of the Muslim community, there's a space for you. My cousin works at Facebook and she tells me about the the Muslim community there and how there's a group specifically for Muslims. They pray Jama'ah together and it's just an incredible uh, space for people to almost like, you know, come from the different areas they're in, whether it be recruiting, engineering, etc., and just all come together. And that's your community. And I do think that, you know, for me personally, when I see a company like that, I'm like, that's a place that I would want to work. Mm-hmm. And I think that companies now are understanding that people are thinking that way and trying their hardest to um, implement things like that. Um, companies or industries that are a little bit they're not really up to speed with things like that are also noticing that they're not getting as many diverse candidates as they should be. Um, so yeah, I do think that that's something that's growing. And I think that for me personally, I want to work for a company where I feel like I can be Muslim and not have to worry about all the events being centered around drinking. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think for me, I, in my experience, I'm very grateful that there, okay. So the company that I work for, I know that there's Muslims and there's been Muslims before me, but I don't think that they've been visibly Muslim. Like they've been mm-hmm. brown, but I get the, the well, most people used to drink with us or like, they right. would, you know, have a beer or whatever. And I'm like, no, well, you know, for me, I'm, I'm not going to be that person. But I like that I feel comfortable enough and that when I do say something, I'm heard. So in, in the department that I work in and the people that I work closely with, they know not to gift me alcohol. It's a, it's a thing at my work. Like, you, you get a good job, you get wine. Like, expensive wine and that's and people love it. Obviously, for me, that's you know, useless. You're like, can I exchange it? Exactly. Do you have to get receipt? Yeah, and so um, I had a few months ago, I was... Um, at our LA office and I had a presentation and afterwards um, they gave me like a goodie bag right and it was like full of like our company stuff and there was wine in there and I mean I it didn't bother me because they don't know like I've not had the opportunity to say hey this isn't something that I can accept and so um, I ended up giving it to my friend who flew in with me that day but 
I can say to the to the people from that department and let them know and not feel embarrassed about it. Whereas before I might have just been like, well, I won't say anything. Well, guess what? We can't be upset about it happening if we're not speaking up against it or saying like, you know what, this isn't something that I can accept or it goes against my religion. And honestly, I've never had an experience where I would have gotten a negative reaction. If anything, they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, yeah, for sure. Next time it, you won't get it. You know what I mean? They, they seem to be very attentive to it. I think something that I struggled with in the very beginning and I see potentially a lot of women struggling with, especially in certain fields like the STEM fields, like the engineering fields, mm-hmm. um, and I work in agriculture, right? So is the idea of settling because we feel like we're, we have this opportunity and we don't want to let it go. So whatever they offer us, whatever we get, we're going to be okay with it because we're at least we even have this position because First of all, there's not enough women, there's not enough women in the STEM field. So let alone to say like, oh, I want a higher position or I want a higher salary or you want to negotiate something two, two, three years down the line after you've, you know, obviously contributed a lot to the company. Like I want women to be more confident. I want to be more confident. Something I worked on when I got this new position, I negotiated my salary because I told myself I... I need to do it. It wasn't about Mm -hmm. the money and it wasn't about actually succeeding and getting the salary that I wanted, but it was just the fact that I wanted to speak up for myself and, and prove to myself that I knew what I was worth. And I, I love that. I love that. And I think that that's something that a lot of girls can learn from. Um, one, one point that you mentioned that I think we also discussed on our previous call was that a lot of us are raised with this notion that we should be grateful for the opportunities that we're given and therefore should not try and challenge anything. You know, don't, don't negotiate. Oh, don't ask for, you know, relocation, you know, compensate, you know, things like that. But that is holding us back. And, you know, I think that's why, especially with MWP, we want to teach girls that negotiating is something that you can and should do. Um, You know, and that is on all levels of like, let's say your compensation, you know, package or whatever. Um, Another thing is, teaching girls that they are assets to whatever industry or company they are going into. Um, I think that, we need to separate like, and that's the moment where we have to kind of separate that, that mentality that we're, we've been brought up with, with our careers, because the truth is, is that we are, we bring so much more to the table than we realize. We not only bring talent, we not only bring an incredible perspective, but we bring a lot of knowledge in terms of diversity, in terms of understanding different ethnic groups, because even within our communities, there's so much diversity. You know, you have the black community, the Latino community, the Arab community, the South Asian community. And even within those, there's so many different groups. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we bring such a unique perspective. And I was talking to my marketing lead, her name's Amber about this. And, you know, she works at a marketing agency and, um, you know, and, she, I think at one point they were trying to do something where they were going to incorporate like some sort of like religious, like, you know, uh, this like religious, like message that kind of tied in with like the Buddhist beliefs into a yoga company, something along those lines. And she was the one to say, you guys need to stop. Like, you guys can't do this. This is creating this. I mean, you're, you're actually like mocking a religion when you do things like that. And then they were like, oh, my God, thank you so much. And then so she'd be almost she's like, I feel like I became like the token diversity person that tells them what what or what not to do. And and, and in that way, we're able to really 
kind of see from from things like that that we we do bring so much more than just yeah you can't talent. you can't outsource that you can't get a exactly to come and exactly. tell you these absolutely and even for myself working in luxury fashion you know I'm I'm mixed my dad's Pakistani Arab my mom's Mexican and Spanish I mean I brought that company so much money because I could speak Spanish to the to all the Latinos and then with the Arabs like I could speak a little bit of Arabic but like as soon as I said I'm but Muslim you make they're like connection with them, exactly you know? exactly and as soon as I'm like oh I'm Muslim too like you know they're just like really like oh my god okay and then Im- immediately those become my clients and so I brought them a lot of revenue and you know I will say that a lot of the times I did not ask for you know, I did not not ask for a raise or when I did and it was maybe not given to me, I didn't challenge it more. And I wish that I had people around me to tell me, no, you need to continue. Like you need to negotiate. You need to push for more. You need to show them your, your worth. And I think that's why we really want to teach women, you know, that we want we really want to not even teach them because women already know that they're an asset but like make them embrace it even more and, and how i to think market that, themselves like how exactly, do you market yourself to these industries exactly and the truth is is that we can't just do it on our own so by building these relationships with fellow mwps you know whether it be a sister who is also an engineer but maybe at a different company maybe she knows about an opportunity at her company that i can easily that i can easily apply to and just by knowing her just by having um you know um a referral that automatically boosts your chances of getting that position. Um, and then, you know, as well as, um, you know, building allies with, with Muslim men, the truth is, is that we've realized that like, we can't do this on our own, um, as, as Muslim women and that we need men to specifically Muslim men to be better allies to us and kind of realize that it is unpopular for you to not support us. It's unpopular for you to support us is, is an, it's an incredible thing and it's needed. Um, and it benefits them. And it benefits them as well. Um, I think there has been this like fear that's been embedded in so many of all of us of like, you know, uh, let's not, you know, talk about our identities. But the truth is, is that now, alhamdulillah, we're living in a world where your identity is what shapes you. It is what enhances you, right? It's, it's what it's embraced a lot more. Um, and so specifically within our community, we, we really want to make sure that we're not keeping men aside. It's almost like, no, we're holding ourselves accountable, but you need to hold yourselves accountable too. Because if you want us to be allies to you in the ways that we have been, we expect it to be reciprocated as well. So one of the things that we're going to be doing is actually um, doing um, uh, a feature on a few Muslim men who are you know, whoever really Donato's just didn't add bacon to their pizzas. They added bacon to their bacon, Canadian bacon and hardwood smoked bacon or Canadian bacon and Chipotle seasoned bacon. Get $2 off a large bacon duo or any large pizza. Use promo code two. Donato's every piece is important. Donato's just didn't add bacon to their pizzas. They added bacon to their bacon. It's Donato's new bacon duo pizzas. Two pizzas each with two kinds of bacon. Try the new pepperoni bacon duo with pepperoni, Canadian bacon, and hardwood smoked bacon. And the Chipotle bacon duo with Canadian bacon and Chipotle seasoned bacon. Now get $2 off a large bacon duo or any large pizza. Use promo code 2. Donato's. Every piece is important established themselves in their careers and ask them like how has your upbringing shaped you to be an ally for Muslim women if if that was not the case then how do you think you should how do you think you can be a better ally to us um 
And again, this ties into so many different things as well, because um, even when looking and we, t and we tell us the girls, she's like, even when you're looking for a spouse, right, if you want to get married, make sure you're finding someone who doesn't see your career as a setback or something that is a that you have to compromise, but sees it as an asset. Mm -hmm. If you choose to stay at home and raise your family, raise a family, that should be your decision. But make sure you're also finding someone who embraces whatever journey you're on professionally. Um, and understand and that all those skills that you bring from the professional field you're gonna bring that to your home and so you're gonna be good at time management you're gonna be good at money management you're gonna be good at all these things like they're all <laughs> positive things but the, you know what's so interesting is that a lot of men don't see it that way but it's so it's so funny because uh, I hopped in a call with my community engagement coordinator her name is Rahma and we had um, a call with one of the MSAs in our area with one of the brothers and he said and he, you know, he's from my community. He's like, you know, guys, you guys got to get down here. Like, it's just like, you guys got to get down here because these boys, I don't know what it is, but they're just being so like misogynist towards the sisters and we don't know what we're going to do. And he's like, you know, Sophia, Rahma, like, can you help us? You know, like, and obviously like right now we're still in the works of kind of, kind uh, of trying to establish like, what our relationship with the MSAs are going to look like, because we don't want to go in and be like, this is what you should do. We just, we want to be almost like a resource to them. Um, and specifically the, like, the women need us. We're here. Exactly. And, um, it was so funny because I told him, I said, um, you know, I said, well, first and foremost, I think that you need to have a brother go in there. And then I gave him um, a few names of, um, of of guys that I know that are feminists, that are incredible, you know, Muslim men. Um, I said, I think it's a, it's important that guys go in there first. And then inshallah, in a few months or in a few weeks, we'll go in after because I think it's it's like a, a guy telling me what to do. You I know, it's going to be a lot eye rolling. <laughs> exactly. So it's like, you know, I would rather them hear it from a brother and then us kind of go in and, and show them what that looks like. But um, I, I told him, I told my friend, I was like, and you know what, you might want to tell the brothers that we as Muslim women, we've always been liberated, but we're becoming even more liberated. And that pretty soon all the misogynists are going to be the ones that are single. Um, so you might want to just let them know that. And he just like, started, we just all started laughing because it's the truth. I feel like now that we're creating this community of women, it's like, you know, it's like, I have your back, not just professionally, I have your back personally, you know, mm -hmm. I feel like women are really realizing like, wow, like, I've always wanted the support of fellow sisters, I haven't had that there have been women that have come in and said, you know, my community is not very inclusive, it's not very welcoming. Um, and so I've always, I've always maybe had really bad interactions with fellow Muslim women. And then I come to your event, and I don't feel like I'm having to compete with anyone, or I don't feel judged because I wear hijab or don't wear hijab or wear it a certain way um we say that at the beginning of every single event um I say, you know, every single one of us has been brought up with our own beliefs. Every single one of us, you know, um, has a unique perspective on things. But when you come here, you will respect each other. Like, you know, it's very much that. It's like you will respect each other. You will um, be inclusive of one another. And um, whatever is said here stays here and is respected unless you decide to share it with us. And I think that that's really important because the truth is, is that we're not all the same. We all have, you know, maybe... Some people are inherently sexist, inherently racist. I mean, there's a lot of things. Some people but are socialized in that, in exactly, certain senses, unfortunately. Exactly. Absolutely. And that's, and you know what, that's okay up until you come here and you learn, um, you learn a little bit more about how you can be, how you can not be that or, or educate yourself a little bit more on certain things and, and have a unique perspective, which I feel like has been re really beneficial for, for so many women that have come. And I'm really glad that you say that because I think that, 
it's just an idea that crossed my head. Like, I wonder if someone who is a college student or doesn't have a lot of work experience, you know, just the title of your uh, uh, your organization alone, like Muslim Women Professionals, exactly. does does that come off as like intimidating to someone who doesn't have experience? Like, am I going to walk in and it's all lawyers and business owners <laughs> and people who n- are going to speak this lingo that I don't understand and I'm just going to feel like a loser? Or is it going to be very welcoming and I'm going to come in with experience or without and be able to speak to uh, the woman who is uh, a CEO and not feel intimidated by her because we're on, you know, we're in this support group together. No, that's great. Those different backgrounds and those different experiences. That's a great point. And actually it's, it's so obviously it's the welcoming aspect. And, you know, initially I didn't even think about that until um, my events coordinator, her name Sara, she brought it up and she said, you know, I feel like the name could throw people off. I feel mm-hmm. like, you know, the professional um, in there could make girls who don't have a career, maybe just working a nine to five or just maybe working like part time, but don't really know what they want to do. It'll make them feel left out. And for a good amount of time, we, we kind of went back and forth. We had a retreat once we kind of finalized um you know who who was going to be on the leadership team and we discussed that and we discussed that for probably a good hour about you know is this the name that we should have or is it just the way that we're branding it and the way that we are reaching out to um to people and what we kind of concluded was that every single muslim woman is a professional in some sense whether she is you know in her career right an executive in her career, whether she is, you know, um, doing a work study job in college, whether she's at home, but do having a side hustle, right? Like, there's so many, you know, different um, ways to define a professional. Um, And for us, it was just more so about saying, okay, we need to remember that even in even in our check in forms, right? It doesn't necessarily just say now it doesn't say your position and your company. Now it says, position or uh, company or industry of interest, something along those lines. So that way, if you are not in a specific industry, like if you're working in, let's say, if you're a teller or something, but you're like, I really want to work in fashion, we say put fashion then and we will connect you with someone in fashion. And usually people who are involved who are people who want to go into fashion connect with me um, since I've worked in luxury fashion. So um, I think that's a great point. And again, that's something I didn't realize. And I think what's so incredible is that I have such an amazing team of women who are not afraid to tell me, hey, we, sh- we can do this better, or hey, I know someone who's felt left out, um, and therefore I think we need to change this. Um, and it becomes a discussion amongst all of us, and then we find how we can, how we can be better. That's ultimately awesome. okay great because yeah. I know I don't know I keep thinking of my younger self and I was a very intimidating not intimidating intimidated younger Noor and I feel like something like this I would have so much interest and see the right. value in it but I wonder if I would have the courage to step in and feel it not at a place um essentially so it's great that you guys saw that and like have been addressing certain things um but it's it's really incredible what you do. And I want to say thank you like for starting this and for wherever it's going to go and how it's going to go. And I think that it's such a it's such a necessity. And I don't know, maybe me just seeing the things that I had to go through and the awkward situations mm-hmm. I felt like I was in and the struggles of like my, you know, the the, the confidence that you want to have to carry to move up because it's really not fair that we are, you know, when it comes to merit, we're we have what it takes to do these jobs and we can compete with these other people with these men or with these non-muslims but because 
sometimes our identity holds us back in the sense of like I feel like oh because I'm a Muslim woman you know who grew up maybe around a community that wouldn't have supported me going into an industry Mm -hmm. then I'm just going to take whatever I can because you know thank god I do but that's not always the way to think about it right exactly and you know I think something that my parents alhamdulillah I I love you know I'm so grateful to have had such incredible parents my father passed away but I still alhamdulillah have my mom and you know I think my parents and being, you know, one like the fir- almost one of the first interracial marriages like in the community, um, having got a lot of they got a lot of hate, unfortunately, when I was younger and I didn't know until I was older. But one thing that I loved about my parents was that they used their identities as assets. You know, my mother being Latina, she could easily connect with someone else, even if they were from like Venezuela or like you know, Columbia or something, and, and they would just bond over their that identity, that yeah. part of their identity. My dad, same thing. It was like, you know, he would meet, like, a Muslim brother from, I don't know, Somalia, and automatically it was like, I'm Muslim too, nice to meet you. You're like, how are you? What masjid yeah. do you go to? You know, how are, are you involved in the community? Have you been to our mosque? Like, you should come to our masjid. Like, my parents were always... Like, they were just, like, social butterflies, mashallah, and I think I got a lot of that as well. Um, but I think that, you know, having the having that as a young girl was so, oh, my God. Like, it, it's I think it's what brought me here. And I was just thinking about that before we hopped on this. I was like, how, where did I get a lot of my ambition from? And a lot of it was from having parents who told me that me being a woman gave me, um, gave me like more leverage I think you know and understanding the unique perspectives of not just other women but people of all different cultures and I think my parents also taught me you know yes you're Pakistani yes you're Mexican yes you're Spanish but that doesn't mean you're only going to be surrounded by those people expand your horizons learn about other cultures learn about other people embrace them because they too bring a unique um, perspective and so um, I think that in having that and in, in, in trying to impl- implement some of that into MWP, we are constantly trying fi- trying to find ways to improve. One aspect, for example, is like the majority of the women in our in our group are South Asian. The second you know group is Arab. Where are our Black Muslim sisters? Where are our Latina Muslim sisters? Um, are we not doing enough outreach? Are our resources not being as inclusive as they can be? I mean, we're constantly trying to figure out how to improve because it's not, and it's not just about, oh, well, we need to meet a quota. Astaghfirullah, absolutely not. No, it's about when we put Muslim on there, we are bringing together everyone who ident- identifies as Muslim. Um, we are trying to make sure that we're catering to every single community. We're trying to make sure that every single person feels included. And you you uh, benefit as an organization yourself. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I just spoke with um, someone the other day who we're going to be collaborating with, and she's Gambian, and she was telling me how, oh my God, like yeah, I never told anyone I was Muslim. People saw me as a black woman. They assumed I was Christian. The minute I told them I didn't eat pork or didn't drink, they were just like in shock. Um, <laughs> You know, so then I and I never felt comfortable. And it's just, you know, you learn from things like that. And it teaches you how to be a better ally. It teaches you how to be, um, you know, more inclusive. And um, also, it, you know, you, I want to be an advocate for my community as a whole. I don't want to be an advocate for just Pakistani Muslims, you know. And I feel like 
sometimes I see that happening where it's like, we'll add, we'll, we'll, um, you know, advocate for our own community, but we'll, but it's like, oh, but everyone else, oh no, not really. And that goes against our basic, that goes against the values of our, of our faith. You know, um, we are supposed to be united. We are supposed to be, um, helping each other. Um, and I think that inshallah with, with MWP and, and, with you know the women that are on my team thus far and the impact that we've been able to have so far i really want to continue to show women that they can do it um i will say like something that you mentioned as well it's like we don't really have a lot of examples of women that we can look up to like you know um we we have mashallah now a lot of people of color um you know who hold executive roles not enough but it's it's very rare that you find a Muslim executive. They're out there, but you know their stories have not been told. So when you feel like nobody in your community has been able to reach a certain milestone that you're aiming towards, it, it can be very, um, it it can definitely be very intimidating um, because you're like, do I belong in those spaces? Exactly. Um, but I I know for myself like that's something I struggle with a lot is imposter syndrome, right? Do I have what it takes? Even even with my upbringing, do I have what it takes? And and I'm constantly reminded by my team, by my close friends, um, by the women that I meet at these coffee chats of of the impact that I'm making, and that definitely brings me a lot of joy. But I do see myself inshallah like holding an executive role, and I see the people on my team inshallah holding executive role, the women that are coming to our events holding executive role. If that's what they decided they want to do yeah. um and you know i inshallah ultimately like i want us to be able to reach out to communities not just uh, on a domestic scale but on an international scale and be able to almost just be able to discuss our narrative a lot more because i do feel that right now with the islamophobia that's that's going on and you know sexism all these things it's like people are trying to tell us like what our stories are. And the truth is, is that they don't know. And the reason is why they don't know is because nobody's been able to really discuss it or very rarely do people talk about it. And even when they do, they're, they're butchered for it. So um, I want us to be able to really create the sisterhood where there is no competition. It's collaboration. It's we're helping one another. And it's like, I'll see you at the top instead of I'm going to be the one at the top and I'll see you like, you know, yeah. and I, I'll be the only one. No, I, I want us to all be at the top, inshallah. No, inshallah. And that's, that's a beautiful message. And I think it's so great that you are looking at everything from all different perspectives because it's every every person's situation is different so a lot of the things that you talk about i align with some of them not so much just because of my upbringing like my parents mm -hmm. you know both immigrants my dad you know obviously he worked his butt off his whole life mm -hmm. until today and so when they see someone like me their daughter a woman who is a college graduate who went to grad school who is and uh, works for I'm, uh, you know, works in an industry. I remember when I got this job, like my dad, this was like two years ago, it was my first, you know, salary job and stuff. He was like over the moon. He felt like I made it because he was like, you have benefits, you have yes. retirement. And benefits you is the first thing. Yeah. He <laughs> Insurance. That, yeah, because like in his his mindset, like that is the American dream. My dad <laughs> has always owned his own business. He's always had to hustle. And we never grew up with those type of like, you know, oh, you know, insurance was easy. And, um, you know, he could take time off and he had weekends off and he would be home in the evenings and we could take family vacations. Like it wasn't as simple. And so for him, he's like, OK, great. Like you can totally have a family and manage this. 
Right. And so, and even like what I was making to him was substantial. And so, right. yeah, I went into it thinking like, yeah, I'm very lucky and I'm, I'm going to take all of this and I'm going to be okay. But when you go into the industry and you talk amongst your colleagues, then you come to realize that it's very competitive and there's actually more. And right. it's, it's not, it's not um, like greed or that you want more. It's, it's about knowing your worth and it's about knowing how you stand um, in comparison to other people. And companies do and they provide these incentives and there's negotiations because that's a way of them recognizing your merit and you as well. And, and there's not, it, it, like when I first got my first job, I didn't negotiate because what the hell was I going to say, right? right? Absolutely, but yeah. I, I transitioned from one of our sister companies to corporate. And then even within that, like, you know, you have your annual um, uh, evaluations and stuff like that. And it's like, okay, you know what? I had a really good year. I, I have all of this to show for. Like, why not bring up that conversation of like a raise? Why not bring up like, what are my opportunities? Like when I had my evaluation, I, I told my boss, I said, look, I see what the progression model looks like. I, if I want to see myself here in five years, like what do I need to do? And I need you to help mm. guide me and you need to tell me if right. I need certification. Do I need to go back to school? Like what do I need to do to get this, to this position? Because I want to work hard towards it. And we can't be afraid to say those type of things, to say, hey, I want that position at the top. Or I want, I want to be you in five years. I want to be a director. I want to be a VP. Absolutely. And I, I really resonate with your upbringing in, in that sense. You know, like my, my dad for the last few years of his life was on di permanent disability. I mean, we, we were not making like our household income was not as much as it once had been. And like my, I, I had my mom who was basically like carrying us like financially because of my dad's health. And I think it was moments like that where I was almost like, you know, obviously some people can think, different things they can think oh I just I just need a stable job but I I mean those were the moments where I felt so helpless right because you can't you, what are you gonna do like you know like what are you gonna do how are you gonna help your parents when you're when you're going to school you you can barely you know keep up with what you're doing I mean I was work I was going to school at UCLA but I had like at least two jobs at, at one time yeah. um and you know it was really hard and I think moments like that and seeing my parents struggle um, and obviously they didn't want us to see them struggle, but I mean, you're going to see it at one point, you know, um, those were the moments where I was like, I will never like, that's what was one of my goals. I was like, I will never have my children worry about money. And my parents did not make us worry about money. And it wasn't that, but it was more so like, I never want money to be an issue yeah. um, when I get older. And, um, that was one thing. A second thing is my mom always taught me this and it was like, you'll, you'll never get what you don't ask for. You know, that was always, that was always That's the thing. True. And she would always say it in Spanish too. So it was just like more powerful, I guess. And I would always just say like, Oh, but I don't know, you know, like, should I, like, should I say it? And my mom's like, you're never going to get what you don't ask for. And so I think that kind of being like being in college and early post-grad you're absolutely right it's like I didn't negotiate either I was like negotiate I'm just grateful to have this opportunity yeah. I'm just grateful that this fell into my lap alhamdulillah you know what I mean you're just yeah. like no just give it to me which is fine but in it, the beginning right because exactly. maybe you haven't even proven yourself to the company I think it's oh like, absolutely you know, you, I, I'm not gonna approach you know my first time they know nothing about me and say like oh no this is what I'm worth it's like let me prove it to them and what's the and, worst that's gonna happen they're gonna say no oh. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's what we all fear is like, oh, my God, well, what if they'll take away the job offer? And mo and that's where you learn as you get older, like most of the time they won't, because if they offered it to you, it's because they want you. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that they might refuse your your. 
Donato's just didn't add bacon to their pizzas. They added bacon to their bacon. It's Donato's new Bacon Duo pizzas. Two pizzas, each with two kinds of bacon. Try the new Pepperoni Bacon Duo with pepperoni, Canadian bacon, and hardwood smoked bacon. And the Chipotle Bacon Duo with Canadian bacon and Chipotle seasoned bacon. Now get $2 off a large Bacon Duo or any large pizza. Use promo code 2. Donato's. Every piece is important. What you're, what you are exactly, but they're not asking but most for time, yeah. exactly because I yeah, think most companies assume or like it's not a surprise that someone negotiates. I think it's a surprise right. if you negotiate for something really crazy, like I want my own or vehicle, maybe or something. At all. Or you exactly. don't negotiate at all, and um, and that was the thing. It's that's, like that's another thing too. If you, especially if you have a lot of experience, if you don't negotiate, I think that, that says something. But that's the thing. It's like even in meeting a lot of a lot of women over the years, like in the community, a lot of us don't negotiate. I I barely negotiated with with my last role, and um it's and those are just some of the resources. Talking about oh, exactly. It's- super intimidating oh it's so it's so intimidating but i think that's what mwp as well is trying to provide it's like okay this is how you negotiate these are the different areas in which you can negotiate pick pick your top three priorities off of this entire thing right and then now let's go deeper into like what that negotiation would look like another thing as well out of that specifically is like knowing your rights in the workplace um i think this is a topic that came up a few months ago um at a coffee chat where um you know obviously those who know like by law you are supposed to be given a, a space to like meditate or pray even at a, a even at a engineering firm that's predominantly like white you know things like that like you actually are obliged to like have something along those lines and i remember the amount of girls who were like wait I am, and a lot of them were STEM, were in the STEM field. They were just like, wait, I'm allowed to? I've been praying in my car this whole time, you know? And it's like things like that, like know your rights in the workplace is another thing that we want to tackle very soon. It's like, these are the rights that you have in the workplace. And like knowing exactly what, um, knowing exactly what you're entitled to as a professional is also so important because for a lot of us, we're first generation. A lot of us, maybe our parents had careers, but even back then it's like, you never really negotiated like a prayer space for, you know, it was very rare to do so. And for those who had it, I mean, mashallah, that's amazing. But for the most part, it was like, no, like I'll negotiate my salary in our parents' cases maybe. And then that was it. Right. But now and being immigrants too, I think we accept that it's like, Oh, okay, well I don't live in a Muslim country. So like, I'm not going to ask for aid off. I'm not going to ask for a you know a, a different schedule in Ramadan when I was fasting um when I was working at my previous job I asked for different hours mm-hmm. because I wanted to be able to like have my sahur and then be able to go to work early in the morning and be able to leave by like 2 p.m because right. that's how I wanted my Ramadan to go because it would have been easier for me as opposed to coming home and, and I had a commute I had an hour long commute so like instead of laying in bed for like an hour, I couldn't even get proper sleep and then having to get up and you know what I mean? So it's like having those conversations and those will never be normalized unless we oh, never. speak never. up about it because the next time that they have a Muslim employee, they'll remember me, they'll remember you and they'll remember those conversations. Oh, absolutely. And there were times where I remember with one job, I told them, you know, and I worked really late for this job. Like sometimes I would work like eight, nine o'clock and iftar was like sometimes like 7.15. I was like, I'm not going to drive home without eating. And I would say like, I'm going to, I need a break during this time. Like I need to, like, I'm going to eat during this time. And I remember in the beginning it was like, 
Oh, because I had just gone higher. I think I had gone higher like the first day of Ramadan. So literally like my interview, I was so hyper, so like outgoing. And then the first day of work, I was just so exhausted because obviously it's like the first day like where you're like staying up after mm-hmm. Fajr, after you, after Sahur, all that. And, um, and I remember just like them being uncomfortable, like they were just kind of uncomfortable. And I think it was because they they didn't know that I was Muslim, you know, when they hired me. Um, I didn't really talk about it during my interview. And then they find out the first day. And here I am like saying like, no, I, I need this because I was like, there is no way I'm eating iftar. Yeah, I'm not eating iftar in my car. There is no way. And I remember telling them and initially they did feel un- like a little, it was a little un. They felt uneasy in the beginning, but alhamdulillah, they came around to it. And if it was either me leaving by five o'clock, which still took me like two hours to get home, or it was me staying late and then being able to have iftar at work. I mean, alhamdulillah, it worked out. But like you said, I mean, just from that role, being able to speak on my experience as a Muslim, I mean, it was so funny because even when I when I left that job, one of my coworkers like messaged me and she's like, Oh my God, I met this like Muslim girl. And you know, she, you know, we had this discussion and you know, I talked to her about Ramadan and I said, Oh, I hope you have a good Ramadan. Inshallah. Like she like taught them all that. And I was just like, Oh my God, you are the sweetest. You are the sweetest. And she was just like, no. And I asked her like what time iftar was. And I mean, like you said, it's like everyone has those experiences, which are really great. Right. Oh, absolutely. You, I mean, you have the negative ones too, but it's almost like those are the ones where you kind of feel like, uh, like, okay, like, alhamdulillah, like, you know, I was able to impact someone in a positive way. And I know we talk about, we've talked about this and it's like, it's hard to try that, to try and find that balance between not being that token Muslim at work, like not trying to talk about your, your identity sometimes because you don't want to be defined by it. You also want to be defined by your performance, right? But then it's also about, sharing your identity with them just enough so they can so whatever like maybe preconceived notions that they have about islam that are maybe negative may go away just by meeting someone like you and i know that that's something that a lot of the women that come to coffee chats deal with it's like you know i don't want to be that token muslim woman at work giving you my opinion on diversity giving you insight into like you know why i do or don't wear uh why i don't do or don't wear hijab you know it's 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 exhausting yeah. but i feel like providing them with resources and providing them with like i said like that article that we just published about how to be an ally how they can be an ally things like that is going to be helpful because it's almost like instead of having to be like i'm the first muslim or i'm the only muslim you've met let me show you a resource that is can be given and yeah. and applied in any industry in any company whatever um that can be helpful to them and almost like being a part of their being a part of like their journey as a professional as well right by giving them something that will help them embrace them almost like this is my let me give you like a like these guidelines yeah. as to what you follow and something that we've talked about on um, doing in the future inshallah is like giving presentations to different companies and industries um about um about islam and about like the mwp journey and how uh, companies can be more inclusive of um, muslims and muslim women specifically um for mwp as well we're going to be having a diversity coordinator come on um and it was so interesting because when i was talking to the team about it i was like you know we need a diversity coordinator on our team because we can't make ourselves the exception to the rule because here we are telling everyone that they need to have a dni you know space i'm very 
on DNI, especially in luxury fashion. I think that it's Can you very necessary. Say what DNI is for, in case people don't know what it is. Yeah, of course. So DNI is diversity and inclusion, and it's an area within a company that really focuses on implementing initiatives that not just you know, promote an inclusive workspace, but p- promote equity amongst um, the the company or the industry. Um, and so that's something I'm really passionate about because, you know, you see even in like the luxury fashion industry, um, which is an industry that I come from, where there really is this like cultural insensitivity that is going on right now. I mean, with Gucci, for example, with the recent like blackface incident, now just from that incident, they're like, we're going to hire diversity and inclusion directors. And it's like, instead of being reactive, we want to be proactive. And um, like I said, like, we don't want to make ourselves exception to the rule just because we're Muslim doesn't mean that there aren't areas in which we can improve on um, doesn't mean that we can say, okay, well, what we say goes and that's it. It's like, no, we constantly need to be bettering ourselves, which is embedded in our faith um, and making sure that we're creating an environment for, for women to thrive where we're creating um, initiatives that are holding ourselves accountable. Um, and I think that hopefully by having that and being able to apply that to different companies and industries, we'll be able to kind of set the bar for other groups as well, yeah. you know, um, and really hold them accountable to say almost like, you know, if you don't create uh, an inclusive space for our community, our community is going to go elsewhere. And the truth is, is that there's 800 million Muslim women in the world. That is incredible. And I feel like things like that are, are, um, are, are things that I like to tell women so that way it almost reminds them like you are an asset you actually are the majority you just don't know it right here you may be the minority minority but by building our community even more I mean creating a powerful network we'll be able to you know ask for things that maybe weren't given to us before and inshallah receive them inshallah, inshallah. Um, I, I think it's interesting something that you said um about you not being the exception to the rule because don't you find that and this is kind of going a little bit off of a on a tangent but don't you find that a lot of times when you look at organizations or groups that are composed of muslims or arabs they're not inclusive they're not inclusive of of the the diversity of what islam is so it's not inclusive of our um black community it's not inclusive of our hispanic community of our convert community of our disabled community like it's not inclusive and so you're right like we're not the exception to the rule just because we are people of color or we are a minority as women as muslims as you know um pakistanis or arabs or what have you yeah no and that, you know, that touches up on a great point. I keep kind of tying up to my upbringing, but I do think that my upbringing played a huge role in alhamdulillah who I am now. And growing up, I, I grew up with a lot of people who were very ethnocentric. And, you know, I felt like I, I mean, from the people that I sometimes surrounded myself with, unfortunately, were in my community. I mean, for a lot of Pakistanis, I was not Pakistani enough because my mother was not Pakistani. And a lot of women, it's so interesting, I was just talking to my mom about this, I was like, remember you told me like the things that you had to go through? And she's just like, yep. Um, And, you know, I grew up with a lot of um, Muslims who saw my mother as, you know, oh, she's not really, she's not really Muslim. And this was specifically from the South Asian community, which is very, very horrible. Um, You know, oh, she's not really Muslim because she converted, you know, like I've been Muslim longer than she has. And I mean, it was things like that, that again, like I'm very, I'm very protective of my parents. I, I always have been, I'm very protective of my family, but 
growing up being mixed back in the day when it wasn't very popular to be mixed like it is it's it's embraced a lot more now than it was yeah, back in the day I can imagine. but um I felt like a minority within a minority a lot of the times because here I was a- around a lot of let's say uh, like Pakistani groups and I was too loud right it was like you know she's too loud or oh, she doesn't speak side. yeah it's her, and you know what and it is my Mexican side and I'm proud <laughs> of it I'm proud of it you know yes. and um and because my mother taught me you know if somebody if somebody tries to put you down oh no oh no you call them out right away and and I think that that was something that a lot of girls were not used to was like oh you're gonna try and put me down oh okay well let me just have a little talk with you really quick um but it was you know a lot of the times like feeling very left out like you know because of my identity and I think that initially I saw that as like oh like I don't want to talk about my ethnicity and I didn't actually I didn't talk about my ethnic background until like high school I think like my very close friends like knew like every single thing about me I had a lot of family friends who were also mixed who were like Latino and Arab Latino and South Asian these were guys and of course all the girls Muslim girls just loved them because it was like oh my god best of both worlds yeah like ooh la la and then with me it was like oh like who does she think she is you know and there you go it's like sexism right there and there you know it's just like very just very like this very really big double standard um and so when I got to like high school and college is when I started to really embrace my ethnicity and it was very much like a take it or leave it thing um it's like this is who I am and and I'm proud of it and I think that going through what I went through as as a kid who was like you know unfortunately like always kind of felt you know I felt like again like I said like a minority within a minority like I didn't really fit in anywhere um help me because now I'm like I don't want to make anyone feel that way um if I can make someone feel like they are embraced um make someone feel like they are a part of this community then that I want to. I think that that has also been a reason why even now when we collaborate with people, I mean, mashallah, you're amazing. We wanted to collaborate with you, but there are certain people that like, you know, girls will say like, we, I want to collaborate with this person. And I say, I no, we're not going to collaborate with them because I have heard that they have been disrespectful towards this part of the community or because they're Arab, they've disrespected the South Asian community, or they've said things about this community, you know, it, things like that, that I'm it too. It's like not only just the work that we do, but we stand up for whenever we do recognize that people are out of place and they're saying things that they oh. shouldn't be or treating people. Oh, absolutely. And I say too, it's like, you know, with MWP, it's like, we're, we're, we've just started, alhamdulillah, we've been able to make such an incredible impact, but that can, somebody by associating, by associating ourselves with someone who has not been very, um, very kind even, or, you know, somebody who has been very welcoming. I mean, that can make us look like we're not like that. And that's the thing that I do not want to happen. Like I want uh, people to look at us and be like, I'm, you know, maybe I'm a black Muslim woman and I want to be a part of that. I'm a Latina, you know, Muslim woman. I'm a part of that. Um, you know, I, I just want people to feel welcomed. I want people to know that when they come to our space that even if they don't see a lot of people like us, that they will still feel like they are um, treated like royalty, right? Like they are um, a part of a family um, that we're trying to create. Um, I, I really feel like going through what I went through and a lot of other girls going through what they've gone through in terms of being judged by the community. Um, because a lot of the girls on our team as well, it's like, or it's like, yeah, absolutely. And like girls who, you know, wear dresses, you know, or wear skirts and it's like, Oh, I've always been kind of shunned by the Muslim community because of the way or naqabs or 
or I don't wear hijab correctly, according yeah. to some people, like things like that, where I'm like, no, when you come here, we're all we're all equal as we as we should be considered equal in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it's and we should be treating each other as such. And if you feel like you are not being treated that way, we will make sure that you are like we want to be able to enforce that in people as well. It's like if that is how you feel outside of this space, great. But here you're going to be inclusive of everyone. And how can we as a whole create a better environment for you all to feel welcomed and feel like you are Muslim at the end of the day? Yeah. Um, because my dad used to say this all the time. He'd be like, I don't understand why like Muslims like try and compete with each other or like try to put each other down. Like we're all Muslim. Like if we were to be able to like join forces and really support one another, we'd be unstoppable. And that's the truth. Um, and I hope that that is reflected in, in MWP. No. And I, I thank you so much for saying that and, and, and being more inclusive and like putting in the efforts, recognizing it and putting in the efforts and making sure that it's going to be an environment that everyone is welcome and everyone feels comfortable and they feel like, you know, they can be represented. And it's not just about the, the like you said, you don't always want to have to carry around your identity in certain, in certain places. And it's like, you're welcome to and like, you're welcome to embrace your identity, but it's not going to be the sole factor that you're judged on or whether or not someone wants to sit next to you or talk, talk with you, or if you feel like this is only an Arab thing, or, you know, born Muslim thing, and like, I'm a convert, and I can't. So I think it's really incredible what you and your team are doing. Um, is there anything else that you would like to conclude with about it? Or like, maybe share where, people because after listening to this I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be interested in like okay so like how do I get involved or like how can I follow up on on MWC? yeah absolutely so we are on Facebook we're on LinkedIn as well as Instagram uh, it's Muslim women professionals um we just released a newsletter like I said we launched it this month and alhamdulillah we've been getting incredible feedback and so on our Instagram there should be a link and from there you can subscribe to our newsletter um and Instagram is probably our most popular platform as of now that's where we post all of our events including our coffee chats um, and all of our updates yeah definitely go to their instagram if that's you know the most popular platform um subscribe and follow and that way you're able to keep up and see how it progresses and then how you can get more involved even if you do live somewhere far away and you can't necessarily be as involved but like i think the newsletters themselves are going to be great and i'm sure they can message you guys if they have questions um yes absolutely anything, so yeah, especially on Instagram, we reply within a day. So awesome. we have a social media coordinator and she's doing incredible. So, awesome. so yeah. Thank you. thank you so much for being on the podcast. I'm so incredibly uh, happy with everything that you're doing and um, happy to have shared uh, your story and, and, and MWP, what your team is doing. Um, and I hope that it helps and benefits a lot of people. Jazakumallah khair, honestly. No, thank you. And thank you for creating this platform as well to really speak on the different issues within our community. Because I mean, I think a podcast in itself is such a great tool because, you know, wherever you are, whether you're driving home from work or, you know, you're, you're working out or whatever, you can get that dose, that daily dose of like wisdom and, and that dose of just like, I don't know, like a resource. It so good, yeah. right? It yeah. does. It, really it does. does. It, I, I say it's not just wisdom, but it's like motivation almost. It's yeah. like, oh my God, like if she's able to do what she's doing, I can do it too. Or it's, you know, you feel like you're not alone on your journey towards, you know, reaching milestones either personally or professionally. Oh, yeah. So I think it's incredible what you're doing. And, you. you know, inshallah, I hope that, you know, 
I, I, I really believe that the more that we support each other, especially as Muslim women, the more that we're going to be able to really not just advocate for one another in the workplace, but I think that we're going to be able to diminish those traditional gender norms that are placed on us and teach others, like even the communities and massages, all that stuff, like kind of hold them accountable too to be more supportive of us. Because I think to be united in that in order to, to see that change. Exactly. And I think that kind of showing, like we said, like, that, you know, making it popular to be, you know, to making making it popular to be united, I think is is a great thing, because that whole competition thing, especially versus, you know, amongst each other, it's just, it's so overrated. And it's just, yeah, it's really toxic. So um, thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure being on your podcast. I loved it. Yay. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening in and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to like and follow this Muslim Girl podcast on all social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Also, check out the blog thismuslimgirl.com for all content information from this and all previous episodes. Two kinds of bacon and all kinds of delicious. Say hello to Donato's new Bacon Duo pizzas. Two pizzas, each with two kinds of bacon. Try the new Pepperoni Bacon Duo with pepperoni, Canadian bacon, and hardwood smoked bacon. And the Chipotle Bacon Duo with Canadian bacon and Chipotle seasoned bacon. Now get $2 off a large Bacon Duo or any large pizza. Use promo code 2. Donato's. Every piece is important. Donato's just didn't add bacon to their pizzas. They added bacon to their bacon. It's Donato's new Bacon Duo pizzas. Two pizzas, each with two kinds of bacon. Try the new Pepperoni Bacon Duo with pepperoni, Canadian bacon, and hardwood smoked bacon. And the Chipotle Bacon Duo with Canadian bacon and Chipotle seasoned bacon. Now get $2 off a large Bacon Duo or any large pizza. Use promo code 2. Donato's. Every piece is important.